The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Are here in so many ways. Welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I'm Darren Carp. And I'm Liz Cully. And I am we're we're flustered almost. I'm to get flustered. To talk to this Darren knows today. it. Um, yes. we have the one and only Bob the Drag Queen with us today. Thank you for coming on. Well, the show. I'm, I'm honored. My pleasure. We're so stoked to talk to you. How how did this come about? Is this a cold Liz Cully? Liz Cully. So Bob, what you might not know is I'm queen of the cold email. <laughs> this this was a few weeks in the making. So, you know, again, thank you to your team for responding to my email. Usually, what are some other great uh, gets you've gotten off of a cold email? Fuck Angel. Angel is like our best. Like he oh, is work. amazing. Yeah, we had a great conversation. With so him. he's the homie now. But I couldn't have this episode if I didn't tell you that my wife, Rachel, is like, a crazy fan of yours. Oh, so, <laughs> well, you know, anyway. I mean, uh, a cold, a cold email got me in Angels in America in at, at the Berkeley Repertory Theater. Tony Kushner just emailed, went to my website and emailed me, and a cold phone call got me on. We're here. Uh, oh. I just got a random phone call out of nowhere from um, one of the creators of the show, who's a lawyer in LA, and he was like, "I have an idea." but I can't tell you over the phone. I was like, what in the super secret project is going on here? Just goes to show, you know, the only, the worst thing that could happen is you get a no, right? And then you're right. in the same position everywhere. So just go, go for your dreams. Now, I actually really want to talk about We Are Here because Liz actually watched it. Like literally, I think the day it came out, I felt yeah. like you just binge everything. She's like, you got to check it out. You got to do it. So I started with the first episode, which takes place in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And mm. I went in with... I would say zero expectations. First off, it's one of the most beautifully shot shows I think I've seen on television in a very oh, long thank time. You. It is gorgeous. I wish I could take credit for that, but I can't take, I can't take credit <laughs> well, for Well, listen, Bob the Drag Queen's hot too. So we, we, got, we got everything over here. But I got to say, I was, I, it, it's rare that I'm moved by something. I, I, and I was genuinely so touched by watching that first episode. And for me, at least, the a few relationships ago, I had dated someone who was super, super religious and Southern Baptist and her mom didn't accept her. And then basically oh called, called me a faggot, told me she was going to uh, put a shotgun down my throat and kill me. Wait, if I, wait, the person you dated? Her no, mother, her, her mother, when she came oh, out to her for like, me, her mother. Jesus um, Christ. Well, and then the person I dated told me that she chose her mother over me. But my point for this really horrible story is that- Wait, how recent was this? Is this like from- this was in 2000, end of 2014, so not super long ago, but not, you know, yesterday. Um, but it was- Wait, I'm sorry, I need to, I, I hate to backtrack. No, a, go backtrack, backtrack for me. You, you dated a person who was very religious. A, yes. This is a person who identified as a, as a woman. Yes. Who was a cisgender very religious. Woman, yes, from Alabama. Yes. And her mother threatened to put a shotgun down your th for what reason she told it specifically my faggot throat to be fair she said uh i'm gonna stick my shot i don't know what my daughter told you about me but i'm gonna stick a shotgun down your throat and blow your faggot head off if you ever talk to my daughter ever again jesus <laughs> so more importantly my story is that you know i grew up as a 
a, a cisgender white woman from Montclair, New Jersey, in a super progressive town with super progressive parents. And even though I knew it sort of existed, it was like, oh my God, like, you know, it was like being handed with it the first time. And maybe what's happening throughout the country, I think a lot of people are dealing with it. But when I watched the first episode of We Are Here with that Christian mom who wanted to apologize to her daughter, Haley, and she was, you know, Eureka. Yeah, Erica. It, it like triggered me in so many ways and it like touched my heart. And I just thought like, if that, if my ex's mother could see that episode, maybe she would have changed her mind about everything. And And maybe she, maybe she has seen it. Maybe she has seen it. And I want to tell you right now, I am, I, you may have grown up in progressive New Jersey. I grew up in Georgia, Alabama and Mississippi. And even for me, that is, that is aggressive. That's wild. That's well, and it, and I warned throw. Darren oh because yeah. I have to tell you, for as much like laughter as we're here brings, there is no not crying in oh. we're here. I mean, well, I'm every just, episode. Yeah. It was funny when an episode came out a few weeks ago on a Thursday. I look at my wife. I was like, okay, we've got content. Let's get excited. I poured my glass of wine. I'm like, here we go. Mm-hmm. And I was like, literally get the tissues because I'm just gonna hysterically cry about God knows what on yeah. the show. And I'd love to understand, so you get this cold email, or rather phone call from a lawyer in LA. And Steve Warren. Okay, Steve Warren, you went into like, what? Did he fly to you? Did you fly out here to have this meeting? Because you no. couldn't talk about so it on the phone. I was, I was in um, Miami flying back to New York City. And he was like, well, when you get here, we should talk. And then I think either, I, either the day I landed or the next day, I went down to some restaurant in, in downtown uh, Manhattan to have a meeting about this super secret project. I, to, I signed an NDA and it was like, you won't talk about this project if it isn't like blah, blah, blah. And then I went down and, and you know, when you're a, like a, so I'm scratching my back. You all can't see at home, but I've been like, with a my hanger, back is, is yeah, my, I did. <laughs> I, 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 I've been like dreaming of this interview for, for is, a few nights. This is so good. I had no idea what was going to so, so pop off, you know, now, but this, now my, this my is the best. My, oh, now my partner's scratching my back for me a little bit lower yeah. and a little bit to the left. All right, there we go. Oh, perfect. Thank you, babe. Um, How do so I, I get go one down of those? Thanks, Jay Day. Yeah. So I went down to. Um, <laughs> oh I, I went, well, he always he, he always says thanks, Jay Day. He always. And anyway, in Jay Day, where you date guys whose names start with J, his name is Jacob. Isn't that what Jay Day is? Mm. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. um, that's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. what it is. <laughs> um, I'm I'm so bad at staying on track. So anyway, I went down and we had a talk, and then it was after he described the show to me and let me know that it wouldn't be, because I was a little bit afraid that it'd be one of those shows that's like, and now we put straight guys in drag. And there's nothing wrong with those shows because those shows are, they are, I'm, I have one of those shows. I actually host a show called Drag My Dad. I, I do one of those shows for MTV's Facebook page and it's on MTV's YouTube as well. Um, and Queer Eye uh, for the straight guy, the original series is like an Emmy award winning show because it has done so much for queer movements. I just didn't want to be a part of another one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then he informed me that we'd be telling queer stories and stories of marginalized uh, people, which right now, how important is that right now? I mean, I, to be honest, I didn't think I was going to be able to do this podcast today because I tried to do my own podcast. Shout out Slipping Rivalry. Um, I tried to do my own podcast last night and I couldn't even do the whole thing because I just kept like breaking down and crying throughout the whole thing. It was because I watched this insane address from the Rose Garden yesterday. And I don't know yeah. what time, what day this airs, but if anyone's wondering, it is um, Tuesday, June 2nd, 2020, based on when you're listening to this in the future. And um, I just felt so distressed and destroyed 
and I, and I feel more hope today. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm actually really happy to be here. We're really, I mean, I, we kind of talked yesterday and what perfect timing, what to perfect you timing on, yeah. to have you on, um, as we want to use this opportunity to one, educate ourselves, but to use our platform to have black voices on our show. My block in West Hollywood ended up being a straight up standoff. So I was tear gassed for four and a half hours, wiping oh tear gas God. off of young people's faces. A girl's head got split open. Actually, this is insane. Like, I, you know, I, I think and I'm I don't want to start crying on this podcast, but I, we didn't know if you would come on. And I was like, well, shit, like, I don't know if I can even you know what I mean? We don't know yeah. what to say or what to do. And I, Darren and I spoke about this and Darren totally agreed. I'm like, how fucking important is we're here though? Like, it's almost like it was all just like coming you together. you predicted the timing that it needed to be released. I mean, how are you sort of squaring like we are here with maybe what's ha even happening today? Do you feel like we need it more than ever? What are you hoping people kind of take away from it and can put into their lives as all of the protests are happening right now? You know, it's really interesting. If you watch We're Here this show has a lot of elements where it talks about people who come from different walks of life coming together to do one thing. And I love that the one thing we're doing is queer. I love that we're leaning toward the the queer side, maybe because that speaks to me because I'm a I'm, because you know I'm a big old flaming queer. Um, I feel like things like you said, your ex's mom. If if she had seen that, a lot of people who have these feelings they have. And let me say right now, years ago. Uh, Chris Rock tweeted out something. He's my favorite comedian, by the way. He tweeted out something that said, um, there's this new app that lets you know if your friends are racist. It's called Facebook. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. That has to be funny, I hope, yeah. yeah. I know, yeah. it is. Real and, talk. And, <laughs> and now it's also Instagram and Twitter. And, like, right. I have been, Mary, I've been going through my Twitter feed and my Facebook and blocking and calling out and reposting all these people because I'm like, let me tell you right now, when this is done, when the when the tear gas has settled, and today I posted on my Instagram story, uh, this woman did a, 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 like a talk about how to clean yourself from tear gas. I never thought I'd be posting in my story, here's what to do if you get tear gas. Yeah. I never thought I'd be posting, when you get hit with tear gas, this is what you do. And how many people that would actually end up being helpful too. I ended up posting that in, in, in the midst of all, like all this stuff, I started going through all these things. I'm thinking to myself, all these people who are, it's really showing people for who they really are. Like there, there are people coming out and who are coming out like strong and support. And there are people who are coming out and showing their asses and showing who they are. And I'm like, so happy to be able to see, oh, I didn't know you were, I didn't know that's how you were. I didn't know you were that kind of yeah. person. And now I now that I know, for example, there's a, a restaurant in New York City called Smackery, which I used to love. It's a it's a cookie joint. I used to love and it too. Yeah. I used to fucking love Smackery, Wait, what but now happened? I'm not, now I need to know. Yeah, tell me. Mary, by the way, I call everyone Mary. When I went <laughs> up in there, I don't even think I think that's anyway. Yeah. When I the, the the owner of Smackery went online, and was like, just so you guys know, and I'm doing the the Carl voice, and a Carl is a, is a white gay Karen. In case you're wondering, <laughs> um, the Carl voice, like, girl, just so you, just so you know, 
we're gonna everyone who does, who likes to do our weekly bike ride, we're still gonna be riding our bikes um, and all that rioting and protesting. We have nothing to do with that. Ignore that stuff. We're just doing our own thing. And I was like, okay, since you've completely discredited everyone who's fighting for their lives so that you can ride around the bike on your shiny, ride around the city on shiny bikes. And this porn star, uh, speaking of porn star, we talked about Buck Angel earlier, um, this porn star named Ben Masters recently went on his um, Instagram. And he felt so emboldened just because the president of the United States feels so empowered to get on TV and, and or go on his Twitter and defend white supremacists using the words white supremacists. He's getting bolder and bolder every day. Back in the day, he used to say, oh, there's good people on both sides. And then just yesterday, he literally just straight up tweeted the word white supremacists and said they're not the ones to cause for this. They're not the ones to blame for this. So this uh, twink, and I spell twink with T-W-I-N-K-K-K, he had the nerve to get on his Instagram and say, um, one time a black guy like called me a faggot, and then this other time, this other black guy like made everyone look at me really funny. And then one time this black guy was like mean. So that's why wait, I'm not gonna the go guy march. You, wait, is this the guy you posted on Twitter where you were like, Yeah, and you begged me to come to your friend's house and yeah, like yes, he clapped. literally oh, fuck stop. that dude. I saw your tweets and I was stop. like, This guy must be the most annoying motherfucker. He's like, I went in and this like homeless person, he was black. He asked Asked me for a dollar. I said no, and he goes, "That's not how you say it. You say no or whatever the fuck." I yeah, was like, literally. "You're a bitch." I was like, "You're a little bitch." Sorry. Yeah. By the way, your Carl voice is great. Oh. He's like, "Girl, so, <laughs> um, so maybe when you get all these people, these black people and white people and everyone else to come march in a pride parade next year, then maybe I'll go march in their parade." I was like, first of all, bitch, it's not a parade. You think you think there are any floats in the in, in the Fair. in the protesters? <laughs> there, there's no floats covered in confetti with sequins flying around going down to one uh, police uh, central or station, whatever the fuck it is. It was just it was insane. It was insane, and I feel like if and not to bring it back because I don't want I don't want anyone to think there's like some big PR stuff for me to promote my show. I mean, one go watch the show because um, it does amplify. You it, but, know, that, but, but because the show does amplify black voices, indigenous voices, queer voices, Latinx voices, trans voices, underrepresented voices, and anyone who's not one of those things is there in a position of service yeah. and understanding and learning and getting a chance to learn from it. It's not just some big sympathy piece for, um, you know, for the alt-right or something. I was so moved just before this. I probably shouldn't have because I'm steering this. <laughs> But before I, um, I was like cleaning my, I have like a, a basement where I keep all my drag and I was just cleaning my basement. Then I came upstairs to eat some noodles and then like watch a little bit of TV. I don't know why I turned on the news. So I started watching CNN and for the first time I've actually heard a reporter refer to George Floyd's death as a murder. No one has said this. I have not heard this yet. Anderson Cooper was the first person to say out loud murder. Everyone else has been like, oh, the arrest of George Floyd, the untimely the death, death of George right, Floyd, yeah, the, right, right. the accidental... They, they, make yeah. it, they make it sound like a fucking Lemony Snicket's film. Like, like it's the, the, the unfortunate events of George Floyd's death, and it's not what it is. It is... Um, so when Anderson Cooper said that, I couldn't believe it. And then he said it again. He said, I'm using the word murder intentionally. Even though that cop has been charged with third-degree murder, some reporters are still not calling it a murder. They're still calling it a death or an incident or yeah. an arrest. Arrest. That kills me. Arrest. Like he went to jail. He's in the, He's dead. He's not in jail. He's dead. You yeah. know what I mean? Anyway, sorry, I have a tendency. I do this thing where I go no, off on tangents. No, I, I, I think that's I, it actually brought up an interesting point. And to relate it to maybe that first episode with Erica and talking about my ex's mom and 
you know, one of the things that really touched me was Erica said, you know, at the end of the performance with Eureka was just, you know, the queer community, um, and I, I'm paraphrasing here, but like the queer community has brought me so much love and acceptance and I couldn't really bring it back to you. I didn't accept the queer community and the amount of mm. love that I've received from you, I just, I don't, I can't pay it back to you. Like it's, it's meant more to me. What do you think, whether it's America or the world or whatever generic term we want to say, can learn from maybe the queer community during this time? I mean, is it really about just love and acceptance and listening or, you know, what, what can they maybe learn from us? Well, I don't even know that it's necessarily about what they can learn from the queer community, but I think that if you look at people who are leading with compassion over their egos, people who are leaning into human rights over personal rights and like what they want for themselves, uh, you know, if you look at the protests and people who are out there saying, I want a haircut, I want my nails done, I want to go eat at a restaurant with more than 60% capacity, and then three weeks later, you see people saying, I want to not be murdered in the streets. <sighs> yeah. 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 It's an entirely different perspective. And it's, I'm, and I don't want to get like, I'm now I'm getting emotional, but like the, the, I, the, the moms whose kids are out there marching and they're thinking to themselves, are my kids going to come home? Yeah. Just from walking and, the street just from walking the streets or for standing up for what's right, that's one of those moments where I'm like, what? This is, it is 2020. It is 2020. This is not, it's not 1992 and the Rodney King um, riots. It's not, you know, this is not the civil rights movement. This is 2020. We have, we've been pushed back. You know, people make jokes about like, people say stuff like, oh, um, that set us back 20 years. No, this president has literally set us back about 50 years, yeah, if not more, literally 50. I'm, I can't even do my math because that would be the 80s. No, that'd be the 70s. How about to the 60s? That's, um, don't make me do math. 60 to 40 plus another plus 20. A that, it's that a lot. It's a lot. 50 yeah. years. You're like, a, you're That's, not, you're a, you're almost some boomer. Yeah. You're, well, it's really actually, I think it's bringing it back to like boomer land. I know we talk about yeah. the Karens and what'd you call them? The Clays or the Craigs? The Carls. Carls. The, the Carls. Fucking Carls. <laughs> Also, well, I have names for all of them. I call, I call there are there are Carls who are gay Karens. There are Susies who are the children of Karens. Susies are the ones. Let me tell you about Susies. There's hope in there's hope in Susies. There is a. I was just recently talking to some drag race girls about why they need to say Black Lives Matter because they have the ears of the Susies. These are little white girls who live in homes with Karens who would call the cops on a black person for. Um, for asking you to put your leash back on your dog or would call the cops on a black person for just existing in the world, for having the audacity to exist at the same time that they exist. They live in the homes with them. So when someone like Katia says Black Lives Matter, then the little Susie who watches them, then Black Lives Matter to her. Yep. Because she loves Katia and now it matters to her. So now we have a person who is in the Black Lives Matter movement, in the homes of these people who could potentially be harmful or deathly dangerous to Black people in America. So that is why I was saying it is absolutely imperative that you need to say Black Lives Matter because you could literally save a life one day. Yeah. And I think it's, and you know, I was on a different show earlier uh, well, a few days ago, and we were talking about it. And I was like, the reason why it's so important. Uh, a friend of ours was, you know, want, she has a really big platform and w wanted to have a black person on her show. And I'm like, girl, 
just reach out to someone and say, I, I have questions. I want to, pl- I want to put you on my platform. I want these Karens and these Susies to listen to you and your story. And I, I need to ask questions so that the next time I'm alone and I'm not on the radio or I'm not on TV, but something comes up, I have an informed have opinion. Exactly. And yeah. then that person can say black lives. Like we can all start to see one by one by one by one by one within our own communities, like the effect and the horrible systemic racism that's been going on. That's why it's so important. And honestly, that's why we're really honored that you would on this day come on our show. I am for sure not a Karen. I am a white girl. I would call myself kind of a chubby Olsen twin, but you know what? It works works either way. (laughs) It is what Um, what it is. Well, if you, and not to cut you off, Taryn, but given everything that is going on right now, are you looking at episodes of we're here different? Like, would you shoot the show differently? Or I am hoping to Tupac that you do record another season. I know it said like limited def- series. Listen, but if we got another season, I'd, that would make my little gay heart. So I have my mom would be so proud. Could you imagine the mother of, of a, of a, like getting past the first season is like next impossible for a TV show. Yeah. Super, I mean, yes, it's very difficult. It's harder than get, I mean, getting an actual show. Like seasons yeah, one that's two real, is actually. harder than actually getting the pilot. It, yeah, people I mean, no, that. Yeah. no shade, but RuPaul had two shows get canceled last year. <laughs> the talk show in Asia. That was a little bit of shade. I, know, I had bit, a, a feeling I was waiting. And I was just shade. waiting. I was waiting. I was like, mm-hmm. do, do, do. Um, okay. but, but then again, but I need to shut up because I might end up being one of those people too. So maybe I know, you will. <laughs> Don't worry. And I also, I will say I did love seeing um the cool thing about we're here is they it felt like it showed everybody in production like when you were coming up with outfits and doing hair and makeup like it looked like so many people the, were involved the cars alone i mean when you roll in oh like, yeah the cars oh, those cars first. are so insane i want that yeah i need that right now that was the best like the visual i don't want to should i ruin this for you is this a bad thing to say i don't have a driver's license and i never drove this. I, oh my god I what a, well, now then the whole show is a sham. Yeah. It's God not believable. It. God damn it. Um, no, so no, what? I, I do not have, I do not have it. So usually the car, I don't the cars are driving like completely separate and we pull up in like a big white production van. It's just like a, <laughs> oh, man. Like oh my God, a big stop. white 16 well passenger van. Dying. Yeah. Um, but I mean, would you shoot season two differently now? I think, no, you know what? I'm so proud of what we did on this show. I'm so proud of the work we did on this show. The diversity, not just, by the way, the diversity wasn't just in front of the camera. When you turn that camera around, it is there as well. The people working on this show range from the gender identity spectrum, people of multiple different races, people of even different. When we had Mormons working on this show, we had uh, atheists, we had uh, uh, people working all, I mean, the whole spectrum. Uh, trans producers working on this show. Um, the design room, there are, I, I was, it was so amazing to be able to walk into the design room and hear people speaking to each other in Spanish because that is their native language and that's how they can yeah. communicate the best. That felt really gorgeous. Shout out to Diego Montoya who, um, and, and um, Gloria from Wigs and Grace who did all of our hair. And shout out to everyone out there who was like really just being, people write this to me all the time and I see it. Now I see it. Like, it makes sense to me that, like, just existing as you are, being who you are as a, as a marginalized person is a big deal. That actually, like, it is a big deal. I yeah. was, was just going to ask, ask you because I feel like, especially within the, I, I'm going to say strictly gay community, but I feel like queer in general, like, 
that's how change got really made, you know, because like someone would come out and you'd be like, oh, well, Darren's not nuts. You know, she seems perfectly, quote unquote, normal. Like maybe being gay is okay. And more and more people started to come out and come out of the closet. And usually we ask every person on the show how they identify. We get all different sorts of answers. You had sort of implied you would identify as a queer person yes or would you identify as i think it was quote big gay, a, big big, ass big old queer. Gay, yeah, yeah big, big ass queer. Big old yeah. queer yeah no yeah. no i'm definitely queer i mean i identify as non-binary and i'm queer my pronouns are he him his she her hers pretty much everyone in my life uses one based on how you know me all my drag queen friends call me she her and girl and like my theater friends call me he him and guy i guess no one really calls me guy that is not no one's like hey guy that's not a thing but um, yeah, I I definitely identify as vividly queer, avidly queer, intensely queer. And then for yeah. any of the people that ha- are listening to the show that for some reason did not see your beautiful win on RuPaul's Drag Race, you are a winner of RuPaul's Drag Race as well. I am. All I right. am a winner. Um, I've been doing these uh, interviews at home. Normally, this is when I'm sitting in my basement. I run and I grab my scepter and I go, look, I, I keep oh, it right damn. here. Um, but I'm well, but I'm upstairs now. Well, my internet service has been so terrible lately, so I can't sit in my basement anymore. Like it's really weird. I, I mean, I kind of got to the point. I was like, is the government listening to me? They like, are they trying to silence my voice because I keep tweeting about their injustices? But yeah, um, I, I did. Maybe I, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I won season eight of RuPaul's Drag Race, which honestly feels like it was a long time ago. There were, I think, I counted the other day. I think eight people have been crowned since I won Drag Race. Let's That's see, crazy. Alaska. Aquaria, Alaska, Sasha, Aquaria, Trixie, Monet, um, Trinity, Evie Oddly, Jada. Jada it's uh, eight. Damn. Well, oh, and it's the, uh, if you include the Vivian in the UK, then we're at nine. Well, and it's interesting. You know, I grew up born and raised in San Francisco, so I saw a lot of drag shows growing up of all different kinds, but it wasn't really until RuPaul's Drag Race came in, which I loved because we were able to see not only competition, I think, which is always fun, but like who people are and who their backgrounds are. And you gave a lot of your background on the show kind of about growing up. And it was interesting because I was wondering if you were going to weave a little bit more of like your parent, you know, your mom or growing up in we're here, but you really kind of allowed for the show to center around the people that you were interviewing. Can you share a little bit about how you grew up with us? And yeah. Where you grew up and all that jazz. Yeah, and the origin of, of course, drag queen. Yeah. Just so you know, this coming um, Thursday, you're going to get to see actually a lot more of me, Shangela, and Eureka's stories oh. because uh, the quarantine affected our final episode. We weren't able to film oh. our last episode. So this one is focused on the three of us and our journeys to where we are today. So you will get to see that. And I think it's imperative to let people know, like, if we're going to come into your town and ask you to bear your soul, but we can't bear ours, how shady is that? Right, you know what right. I mean? So we do bear, we do talk about ourselves and what we've gone through and what it took us to get to where we are. I mean, anyone who doesn't know about me, I'm my name is, my, my name is Caldwell. My drag name is uh, Bob the Drag Queen. I was born in Columbus, Georgia. I was raised uh, in Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi, but mostly in Georgia. I'm one of those um, people with a single mom and I, you know, moved to New York City when I was 22 to become an actor. I dropped out of college. I'm not telling anyone to drop out of college, but I'm also not pressuring anyone to stay in college longer than you feel is necessary. There's a huge thing in our, in our nation. Can I just interrupt you just for a second? At 22, when you moved to the city, were you already out? I was out. Yeah, I was out. 
I had not, I had not been doing any drag or anything. I just moved here to be a comedian. I moved here to be an actor and I was going to make it big on Broadway or maybe a film or something. I was going to be a stand-up comedian. I was just here telling my jokes, doing my writing. And then I discovered RuPaul's Drag Race. The first season, I watched it from the very first season. And I said, I want to do this. I saw B.B. Zahara Benet on TV. This is why I say representation is important. I saw a reflection of myself. I saw someone on TV who was everything that I was made fun of for. B.B. was Black. B.B. was effeminate. B.B. was a drag queen. B.B. was over-the-top gay, overtime gay. And everything that I had ever been made fun of for, this person was on TV being told it was the specifically the things that made them amazing. Imagine if everything that you've ever been knocked down for, you are watching someone on TV being told those exact same traits that you got knocked down for, they're great. Then I thought to myself, well, maybe I can be great too. I can do this. And I ended up um, starting drag and she won drag race. And I said, I could win drag race. If BB can do it, I can do it. Because I see myself in BB. I, I see a reflection of myself. Um, and then, of course, through acting, waiting tables, real estate, and drag, I stayed afloat in New York City, got on Drag Race. And then if you're listening to this, you probably know the rest about me. I'm curious, just, you know, when you're seeing your representation or someone who looks like you, sounds like you, acts like you, is maybe you in a different body on TV and how powerful that is in terms of just drag, because, you know, drag is its art form in and of itself. Was there anything intimidating about joining it? Or did you have any like experimentation with costuming or makeup, anything before that? Like, how did you know you were going to love it? And how did you know I mean, you wanted to do it? I took a makeup class in college because I was a theater major. Um, and I've worn costumes for plays because I was I did theater in college and in high school. Um, and I didn't know I was going to love it until I did it. And then I just kind of felt, I just kind of like, it, it was amazing. I, I fell in love. I did. I am not a natural at any of those things when it comes to costuming and, um, and, and makeup. It took me a really long time to learn how to not look embarrassing, to not feel embarrassed with what, with what I was looking back at. Um, and I'm not, I'm not always nailing that today to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it was just, I don't know, something about it. It's the ultimate art form. It has acting, singing, dancing, writing, promotion, production. It drops, for fuck's sake. It's got, the, I it's mean, got everything. everything. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, the full, it's the full fantasy. And okay. um, I just never thought, I remember doing it thinking to myself, wow, I'm really good at this. I don't think I could be this good at anything. I also, it wasn't intimidating to me either because I, my mom tells me that I, my, my mom, if you would listen to Martha Caldwell, you would think that when I wake up, that's when the sun comes up. And when I lay down, that's when the sun goes down. She thinks I am the bee's knees. She thinks I am the most talented drag that. queen in the world. I love she that. thinks I'm better. She thinks I'm better than every other drag queen that's ever existed in everything. She she watched other queen, then she calls me and goes, "They were good, but you would have been better in that thing." Um, I love so that. I've always thought. I've always thought Your I was really amazing. Your mom and my amazing. wife, by yeah. the way. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> my mom's, my wife's always like, I mean, Bob, though. I'm like, okay, Rachel. So okay. it's been full acceptance with you being out, with you being queer, with you being a drag queen, with your with your mother the whole time. I mean, it was never any like, I don't want your life to yeah, be I mean, harder I talk, for I you. talked about, and I talked about on the show, my mom is queer. And my mom used to own a drag bar. And and when I was in like middle elementary, my mom had girlfriends and so I, that was never like, I, to be honest, it, this sounds really rare, especially for a black person from the South. There is nothing, there's no one in my family that has ever said anything homophobic to me, ever. Actually, one time, one time, one of my cousins, I posted a picture of me in drag, and my cousin tweeted, my cousin uh, commented, what is this? 
Um, and to be fair, she may have just been commenting on how ugly the outfit was because it was really <laughs> disgusting. Um, well, we can critique outfits all yeah, day. I mean, Maybe yeah. not drag, but outfits for sure, right? <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was bad. It was my first ever, ever picture of me in drag. It was, uh, it was ghastly. And that is the closest I've ever come to having someone in my family say anything to me that is even remotely homophobic. Even though it was literally just meant to criticize you for the costume and yeah, less so about you being in a dress or right, she was fucking terrible outfit. To be fair, I've I, to be fair, I never followed up <laughs> to find out what she was <laughs> critiquing. Um, I, I think I just said something really snide back to her, and the conversation was over. But of course, since then, she's never. I mean, certainly not said anything remotely. Like I just, I've had a really lucky experience. You know, I'm curious. I think a lot of people, maybe from you even more than me, want to know, like, let's say you're growing up in a family, maybe it's in the South, maybe it's not, who doesn't accept you or has family members that maybe says really insulting, hurtful things. What is your best advice for someone who's going through that? And how do you think that they should handle it? I think it's, that's such a hard question to ask because it, each situation is so different. You know what right. I mean? For some people, standing up to them could be fatal. Right. Yeah. yeah. Literally fatal. Um, and for some of them standing up for yourself and saying, you can't talk to me that way would be liberating and change their parents. For some people sitting down and having a discussion is a thing. It, you really have to, honestly, I think it'd be dangerous of me to give a blanket statement about what people should do. But I think the most important thing is you got to keep yourself safe and protect yourself. Yeah. You know? Well, especially in times like yeah. this. I mean, I watched um, your YouTube video with Peppermint this yes. week, um, which, I loved, uh-huh. which, which I loved, which I loved. I also love that you. we talked about that. Demi on Twitter, that guy, the Carl, the worst, the king of the yeah. Carls. Um, and you know what? Look, I shouldn't. I, actually, I shouldn't tell you to look him up and be and, and be me. That's that's me. Never mind. Don't look him up. His name, his name is Ben Masters, but don't look him up. <laughs> don't publicly shame him, but publicly shame him. And here's his oh, security. I love code. it. Um, yeah. So we're here is coming to a very, for me, very sad end. Um, do you have anything that's coming up, or are you thinking and writing new projects now? Like. Like, how are you feeling about, you know, creative projects? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. You know, I actually ended up canceling this other thing that I did today. It was supposed to be doing today because I just could not bring myself to engage in the project. And there's nothing wrong. Outside of this, I would have been like so happy to do it. If this wasn't going on, I'd be so happy. I would have been so happy to do it. So in my mind, I've, I really have shifted my brain toward, you know, being conscious of my art and what it's putting out there and how people are pre- receiving it and what it's doing for Black people, for queer people, for non-binary people, for marginalized people in general. You know what I mean? And I mean, I've, I've been writing. I've been writing this musical for like over a year now. Maybe one day I'll finish it. It's called Harriet Tubman Live in Concert. Um, <laughs> oh, please, please, but, I'm it, begging but it's not you what you think it, it is. It's not. It's not what you think it is. It's about Harriet Tubman doing a live concert. Oh, wait, is that what you thought? Okay, never mind. It's exactly what you thought it was. That's exactly what it um, seemed to me. Yeah, right. So I've been doing this, um, this writing this musical about Harriet Tubman for over a year. One day I'll get it finally done. Um, so I've been working on that. Of course, I've, I do my podcast every week, Sibling Rivalry, uh, which is one of my favorite projects that I do. Um, I did my stand-up comedy special this past year. This year I released it, uh, Bob, uh, Bob the Drag Queen at Caroline's. Um, which I'm incredibly proud of. It's one of the funniest things I've ever done. Um, there's, of course, my photo shoots that me and my partner do. I, I post on my Instagram all the time. So I'm always working and doing, you know, something. Drag, you know, and maybe just being in the entertainment field in general, but drag to me always feels like you've got to constantly be creating. 
And like, it's almost like a transformation every single time you get into it. I mean, are you going in with the same mindset every single performance? Or you're like, this outfit's going to correspond with this and the mood I'm in is whatever. I mean, like, how does your mindset maybe change for every time you get into drag? And, well, and, I guess I, it, and also why Bob? Why Bob the drag queen? That's interesting because a lot of my drag, some of it isn't always like on stage performing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my drag is being an online presence, doing whether I host a pit stop where we review RuPaul's Drag Race or if I'm actually doing a number at a show like when we're here. Um, sometimes my drag is just in photos or it's a stage, a stage show like we just did. Um, uh, we I do this show called Crazy Black Lady where I'm in, in like a straight jacket outfit and the whole thing, my hair looks all crazy. And the whole idea is that I'm in an insane asylum. Um, so yeah, it, it, I wish I could say that it was as easy as to say, like, I'm just like a comedian or a singer or a lip syncer, but I do a lot of different stuff. I chose the name Bob the Drag Queen. The, the real answer is, um, uh, my old drag name was always getting mispronounced. My old drag name was Kitten with a Whip. I was Kitten with a Whip for probably maybe like four years and people kept calling me Katie or Kitty or Kate um, and they just, they would never call me Kitten with a Whip. Like, my name was Kitten. They never called me that. And then one day this guy came to karaoke and I would do this thing where I would say, me and the DJ would say each other's names every time we spoke to each other because we wanted to remember our names. So I would say, Brian Kalinowski. And he'd go, yes, Kitten with a Whip. And i go, who's up next? Or I'd say, Brian Kalinowski. He'd go, yes, Kitten with a Whip. We just kept saying each other's name over and over again. And even after the whole night of that, this drunk guy gets up and goes, hey, I got to say, you guys, you got to give it up for your host. She's amazing. Give it up for Kate. Give it up for Kate. And I was like, because that's a drag name, Kate. All right, guys, I'm Kate. Kate the drag queen. And then the next time I was like, all right, give it up for me, Kim. Kim the drag queen. And then at the, at the end of the night, I was like, and don't forget me, your host, Bob. I'm Bob the drag queen. Have a great night. And then I was like, actually, I kind of love that. It's so ridiculous. No one can forget it's it. It's so good. It's really good. That's, well, that's, you- that's the honest story of why my name is Bobby Drag Queen. I have, I have just oh, like sorry. a kind of a final wrap-up question yeah. for you that I like to end on. It's, I guess it's a two-parter. One, for anyone who's watching We Are Here, what do you really hope is the main takeaway um, for anybody? And number two, with everything that's going on in the world right now, what's one thing that you would suggest that we all need to do to come together in this moment? I think a good takeaway from everyone's going to take away something different from we're here. Some people are going to, some people are going to watch we're here and they're going to feel seen. Someone might feel seen for the first time for the first time ever. Um, And that is what it will be for some, someone like your ex's mom might see it and think to herself, what did I do to my child? What have I done to my child? Maybe someone will see it and say to themselves, I thought I was being a good ally the whole time. I didn't know. Maybe someone would just watch it and then, and then they will hear the messages of like Nate and Suge and think to them and, and be aware of the fact that indigenous um, women go missing all the time and they yeah. can do something about it. Trail Maybe that's their takeaway, you know? So everyone's going to take away something different. And I hope that each person gets exactly what they need out of this. Um, what can people do during this time? I think honestly, listen to the voices of the people who are telling you there's a problem listen to the black people. It seems interesting to me, the idea, imagine, imagine, you know, the the black people are saying we're having issues with the cops and everyone's saying it, but then people are still choosing to believe that it's not an issue. You know what I mean? If, if, if someone has 10 kids and then nine of them are saying we're getting beat by this person at some point, someone would believe them. Yeah. At some point, someone would believe instead of all the neighbors going, I just don't think that's true. 
because the 10th kid said it's not happening. So I just don't think it's happening. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, just listen, understand. Don't try to over, don't try to make it about you. What someone called me recently was like, hey, Bob, my fans were calling me, asking me what to do about um, what, what white people can do during this time. Um, maybe you and I should go live and chat. And I said, if your white friends are asking what to do, send them a link to me and Peppermint talking. It doesn't, you don't yeah. need to put me on. You don't, you and I don't need to link up and do a bop, 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 bop. Just send the link. It are, the resources already exist. I'm telling you right now, you can find anything on the internet. Anything. Anything. I could build a skyscraper. I could find out how to do brain surgery. You telling me you can use the internet to learn how to do brain surgery. You can't figure out how to not be. Yeah. But you can't figure out how to not be, you know, a person who's oppressive to your neighbors. Yeah, so the answer right. is, yeah, you can. Yeah, the resources are there. Yeah. Wow. Thank I mean, you for that. And I and yeah. I really enjoyed watching you and Peppermint. Like I, I'm oh, thank thanks. you for as well. And that. honestly, as someone who's obviously identify as a lesbian, I'm in queer culture. You know, I learned a lot from We Are Here, and it 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 brought a lot of light to my life. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if someone who is queer who's been out for 15 years can learn a lot from We Are Here, then there's plenty of other shit for people to know. Yeah. And I really appreciate yeah, I learned a lot. you. Yeah, yeah. And I really appreciate you doing the show. And it sort of has come out in a, in a really pivotal time. And I hope that it, it, it is as impactful for everyone else as it was for me personally. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank I you. It was my pleasure. Everywhere. And also the last thing I'll say is, mm-hmm. uh, well, two things, one black lives matter. And two, uh, to any white people, uh, listen to this, stop calling your black friends and asking us if we're fine. We're not. I get, I mean, if I tell you the text, I have a thousand million. Are you okay? How are things? Do you need to, it is so overwhelming. It is exhausting. We're exhausted. You know, we're exhausted. It's been a five century struggle, century, five century struggle to be asked to be acknowledged as people and equals. Um, I saw a meme online that it said, America should be happy that uh, black people only want equality and not revenge. Yeah, um, I saw that too. Yeah, I saw that too. So what I would say is like, it's okay to reach out and say, sending you love, but don't expect a response. Stop asking us what to do and fucking figure it out. Fair enough. Nothing else to say. Bob, thank you so thank much you for your I really time. Appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And yeah. we can't wait to see that drag photo. Your messy, messy <laughs> outfit. Your messy drag photo. <laughs> I want you to see it. I want to see you look at it while we're on the, while we're while we're together. Here is the picture, okay, actually. Let's see. Okay. It. I'm going to show you all. all is right. this your? Would you say this is your worst drag you've ever done? Like it's only gotten better from here, or it's oh, it's gotten messy? No. Oh <laughs> no. We t- we took <laughs> oh some God, major Bob. dips. Bob. Bob. That wig. Oh, Bo- the wig. It's it's the, the wig. wig. It's, it's the, the wig. shoulder pads. It's, I mean, the the boots are on point. The boots are on point. That that was just a khaki dress I got from the Goodwill. And girl, it was a mess. I don't know. There is a, okay, there's a full. That's Um, the ending horn. All right, well, there's the ending horn. Thank you, Bob, Bob, so much, honestly. We really appreciate it. It really means a lot. My pleasure. And when if you ever um, come back to LA and ever do a show, we're going to, I'll be there. Well, I I have, I have a, I have a, uh, I rent a room in West Hollywood, so we're neighbors. Oh, oh, you do? Next time you're in West Hollywood, yeah. I would please love to bring my wife to one of your shows of any kind. Well, y'all be safe, okay? Thank you too. Thank Thanks, you, Bob. Bob. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>